Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We are continuing with a sermon series called Broken Heroes. God takes broken people. Hallelujah. Amen. If he didn't, who would be qualified? Would you? It's easy to point the finger, but then we realize there's at least three fingers pointing back at me. When I say, you're not qualified, I'm saying, I'm even more unqualified. God uses broken people, but then He uses heroes. He uses one person to spark a revival. The Welsh revival was started by one man praying. Most revivals were started by a catalyst, a spark that God uses. And we're going to learn how you and I can be that spark, that hero You say, I'm not that kind of a person. You might be like Gideon. You say, I'm not a mighty man of valor. God says, what about in your family? What about with that brother, that cousin, that uncle? What about in your work, your little work team? What about even in yourself? Isn't it time that you got a hold on those rebellious emotions and thoughts and habits and became a leader where you got a bit of control and order back in your life? Broken heroes. Good news for all of us. Amen? We're going to learn about one today called Jephthah, who is, he's the hardest one to preach on of them all. You know, in Hebrews 11, it gives a list of some of these heroes. In verse 32, he says, I don't have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Jephthah and Samson. And then he tells some of the great things they did. And then at the end of Hebrews 11, he says, but God had something better for us. They didn't even receive the promise of Jesus yet. They did some stuff, but only together with us could they be made perfect. We have got better promises. We can be proper heroes, whereas they were broken and failed heroes. And Jephthah is the one we're talking about today. And I want to warn you, it is, it is difficult to hear this story. It's difficult. But it's true. It's in the Bible. It's true. And there is something beautiful that we can learn. Now Jephthah, the Gileadite... Judges 11, was a mighty man of valor. That means he actually had some inherent uh, physical, natural talents to be a leader. When people looked at him, they thought, whoa, he's a unit. He's a dude. He's got some stuff. He was big and strong, personality-wise, intelligence-wise. He had some stuff together. Have you seen how we in the body of Christ take a person like that and we assume that because they look good on the outside, that their spiritual life is good. I know you think that about me, because I'm just awesome. (laughs) Chugs. But I want to show you that it's what's inside that matters. Jephthah was a mighty man of valor, but he was the son of a harlot, broken family, sexual immorality in his home. He would have grown up with men coming in and out of the house every day, every night, just witnessing terrible things from a very young age, having a broken and weird idea of marriage, relationships, of parental love, of just just a messed up upbringing. Good on the outside, rotten in the core. Verse 2. Gilead's wife bore sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out 
and said to him, You shall have no inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. Not only did he experience the brokenness, the emotional brokenness, and the, the mental and, and spiritual brokenness of a broken home and an, and an immoral home, but he was rejected by his brothers. So um, his father had sons from his wives, and then he had this other illegitimate son, and the legitimate sons rejected him. They actually made a point of saying, get out of here. We hate you. What does that do to him on the inside? You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. Do you remember that verse? Jesus was bruised for our iniquities. And right back in Genesis 3, when the devil tempts Adam and Eve, God declares the, the consequences, the results of sin, and he says, the devil will try to bruise your children's heel, but one of your children will crush his head. The devil always uses bruising, usually in very small children. He puts terrible things in children's lives so that they are bruised and broken and fractured, and then he uses that. It's like he's got a hook in somebody's life. For the rest of their life, he twists it, and he makes them a bit of a puppet for him. And this guy had every bruise you can imagine. What did he do about it? Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and dwelt in the land of Tob. And worthless men banded together with Jephthah and went out raiding with him. He found a family amongst worthless men. He found the grunge crowd the rebellious crowd, the druggy crowd, the violent crowd, the whatever crowd would accept him. And he said, now I've got people who love me. I didn't have a mother. I didn't have a father who loved me. I didn't have brothers and sisters who loved me. I didn't have everything I needed. So I found it somewhere else. And he went to a land called Tob, which was outside of Israel, where they worshipped idols. They worshipped demons and false gods. They burnt sacrifices to these false gods, and they sacrificed their children to these false gods. You know, there was this terrible practice in the Old Testament of sacrificing children. Did you know that? And God, there's one verse in Jeremiah 19, verse 5, where God says, you sacrifice your children. He's talking to his people, the Israelites. And he says, you sacrifice your children. I didn't command it. I never spoke about it. In fact, it never even entered my mind that you would do such a thing. And yet the Israelites let this evil from the, the people around them seep into them, so they mixed their worship of God with the worship of demons, and it became a mixture, a weird mixture of worship. I wonder if we do that. You know, I grew up in Africa, and there is a lot of mixture there where... People become Christians, but they mix it in with ancestor worship and spirit worship, and they say they love God, but then they still go to witch doctors, and there's this mixture, and it never produces anything good. You know, in the Old Testament, where he talks, God gives commands about mixture. He says, don't mix the linen in your cloth. Don't mix this. Don't mix that. He's always saying, keep things where they should be. Keep things in the right place, ordered, separate. When God created the world, He separated light from darkness, land from sea, 
uh, he, he separated things to make order and, and not to have mixture. And when we mix our Christianity, we can look good on the outside, but on the inside we are a confused mess, and actually we are a, tr- a problem to other people, especially if they're looking up to us as leaders. Have you ever looked up to a leader who let you down? Don't do it. Don't put leaders on a pedestal, amen? They're humans. Just like you and me. You know, in Romans 12, it gives a list, a list of gifts in the body. The whole context is we are a body. You need each part of the body. The hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you. The head can't say to the stomach, I don't need you. We all are of equal importance. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, we have to treat every part as important as every other. Even the parts we think are less important, we need to give them more importance so that every part is of equal importance. And one of those parts in Romans 12, there's teaching, there's encouragement, there's mercy. One of them is leadership. It's just one of the parts of the body. It's not like the leaders are, whoa, they're the great ones. Sometimes they just have a gift for leadership, whereas somebody else has a gift for encouragement or mercy. And we shouldn't put people on pedestals. Please don't put a person on a pedestal. They're a human being. Amen? They're a human being. Where was I? (laughs) Jephthah fled from his brothers, dwelt in the land of Tob. Worthless men banded together and went out raiding with them. The company that he kept was bad. And that is also something when we move into Christ's body, there are relationships that have to fall away. I can't tell you how many close friends I lost. And it wasn't that I intentionally rejected them. It's just that I had to make some decisions and say, I'm not doing that thing anymore. I'm not going to that place anymore. I'm not speaking that way anymore. And they rejected me. And I said, well, better Christ forever than fake friends for a short time. Amen? It came to pass after a time that the people of Ammon made war against Israel. And so it was when the people of Ammon made war against Israel that the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob. Then they said to Jephthah, Come, be our commander, that we may fight against the people of Ammon. So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me? And expel me from my father's house? There's such hurt in this man. There's bitterness and hurt. Amen? We as Christians should never keep bitterness in our hearts. We should let people go. Forgive. Forgive. That doesn't mean you can't confront. If you think someone's done something wrong, you go and say, what's going on? And you have a humble, honest conversation, but we can't let bitterness rule our hearts. And unfortunately, Jephthah had this hurt in him. Then they said, come be our commander. He said, didn't you hate me? Why have you come to me now when you're in distress? And the elders said to Jephthah, that is why we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight against the people of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to the elders, if you take me back home to fight against the people of Ammon and the Lord delivers them to me, will I be your head? He's saying, I want something in writing here. I want to know. I, 
He's, he's a hurt man, and he wants proof. He wants something he can hold on to. And the elder said to Jephthah, the Lord will be a witness between us if we do not do according to your words. Jephthah went with the elders, and they made him the head and commander over them. And then the next passage shows that he actually had some intelligence. He tried to deal with the enemy, the Ammonites. He tried to negotiate, but they just wouldn't listen. It had been 300 years since they had controlled the land, but they still thought they had a claim to it, even though they had lost it because of sin. And it was clear that they didn't have a claim to the land, but he tried to negotiate. They wouldn't negotiate. And then in verse 29, then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he did a mighty thing. You know, when I worked in the administration office of our Bible school that I went to in America, we used to see some of the applications from students wanting to come to the Bible school. And they had to write a written application saying why they should be accepted and some of their background and their qualifications. And especially when they were applying for a scholarship. There were thousands of applications and a small number of scholarships. And one of the things that came through again and again was people who thought they were great because God had used them, but actually they weren't humble. And um, people used to send in pictures of them praying for other people and those people falling down. And they were saying, this is why I should be accepted, because look how great I am. But then when you read the rest of their application, they weren't humble at all. They, they thought because God had used them in ministry, God was saying, I approve of every part of your character. And that's the problem here. God used Jephthah. He put his spirit on him. He used him greatly. But Jephthah was still broken on the inside. And now we're going to see such a sad, such a sad part of this. Um, and verse 30 and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering now there's some real weird mixed up stuff going on here you see, you've got a man who on the outside looks good. He's a rock star. You've got a man who has the anointing of God's Spirit on him. He can preach or he can pray for people for healing. He can maybe prophesy. He's got some spiritual gifts. But in his heart, he is still a citizen of Tob, where they, they sacrifice children to idols. And he does a deal with God. How many of us have tried to do deals with God? God, if you will get that girl back, I'll worship you. God, if you'll give me money, I'll serve you. God, if you'll heal this person, then I'll worship you. God says, I don't deal. I'm God. You worship me because I'm God, not because of a deal. Amen? And just because Jephthah made this vow... 
And just because he looked like a leader and just because he had an anointing on him doesn't mean that his vow was a godly vow. It was a disgusting vow that God was not happy with. He said, when I get back from the victory, whatever walks out of the door of my house, I will sacrifice that thing. And he must have known very well that there was a chance a human would walk out of the door. That's sick. Amen? I want to tell you, some of the stuff that comes out of Christian leaders' mouths is not of God. And we need to be very discerning and say, does it line up with God's Word? Is there character like Jesus' character? Is there a track record that I can watch? Are they accountable to other human beings? Because if that's not true, it doesn't matter how anointed they are or how gifted they look, it doesn't mean they're speaking for God. Please, please, please. We don't need more of us going down wrong tracks, following wrong leaders. Amen? You know, we, when someone's going to operate on our bodies, we want to know that they are certified, well-trained, well-supervised, and that they've got a track record. If you're having heart surgery, you won't let any old person operate on your heart. And yet we'll listen to amateurs preaching to us, and we'll let them operate on our eternal souls. That's not good. We need leaders who don't just look good on the outside, don't just have some fancy, fancy gifts, but have a character that follows God. So, Jephthah went out and he defeated them. You know, God will use broken people, and that's not an endorsement on their character. In Philippians 1... Paul says, there are people preaching Christ because they are my enemies and they're trying to stir up trouble for me. But he says, God will use them anyway and people will get saved anyway. Just because God uses a person does not mean he's endorsing their character. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, people will come to him and say, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I did miracles in your name. And Jesus will say, I never knew you because God will use broken people but that does not mean he's endorsing their character. And in verse 34, when Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. For I've given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. So she said to him, My father, if you've given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what, he has, gone, what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the people of Ammon. You know, people suffer because the leader is ungodly, and it's just the way it is. When a leader is good, people get a blessing that they don't deserve. When a leader is bad, people get a curse that they don't deserve. And that's the way the world is. God has set it up that the leader affects everybody under them. If a father is a bad leader, the family will suffer. If a mother is a bad leader, the family will suffer. If a pastor is a bad leader, the church will suffer. If a president is a bad president, the people will suffer. But God has given us ways. Praise the Lord for democracy. We can vote some leaders out. Praise the Lord for freedom of choice, for 
for accountability, for bigger structures, for law and order, for the way the world is now, there's freedom. It hasn't always been that way, friends. There were many, many ages in the past where if you were under a bad leader, bad luck. But praise the Lord, we now have options. But there are ways of getting out of a bad leader. You know, King David was under a bad leader, King Saul. Saul would throw spears to try and kill him, and they would go in the wall next to David. David fled out of his presence, but he never spoke badly of Saul. And he, he had an opportunity to kill him, and he wouldn't. He said, I will not touch God's anointed. He let God deal with the leader, and he got out of that situation. And if you're a, a woman or a child in, an, in a life-threatening or a terribly damaging situation, get out of it, but don't speak badly, because God puts authority for us to honor, but not to let it damage us. And so you can get out of that situation if you have to. Anyway, I've just got a, a few points here. I, I, I said in Hebrews 11 that it, it talks about these men, but God uses them. But then it says in Hebrews 11, 39 and 40, but God had something better for us. And I tried to find one example of someone like Jephthah in the New Testament, and I found many. In fact, every leader that I could see in the New Testament was like Jephthah. They started broken out of a, a, a society and a family that was so messed up. You know, the Corinthian church, the whole church was so um, infected by the world. The, the Corinthian city, Corinth where they lived, was so immoral. Uh, there was such weird sexual immorality and horrible stuff just commonly practiced there. There was idol worship, just awful worship of idols and demons. There was backbiting and factions and, and arguing, and it got into the church. And Paul writes the letter to the Corinthians, and he says, you've got lots of spiritual gifts and power, but be careful, you're babies in Christ because you're fighting against each other. You're saying, no, this leader is better than this leader. Let's put this leader up on a pedestal. And, and you're allowing this terrible sexual immorality to go on without challenging it. But then he says, in 1 Corinthians 6, he says, all these terrible sins, and he lists a whole lot of sexual sins and idolatry and greed and all these things. And he says, but such were some of you, but you were changed, you were sanctified. Let me just read it to you. 1 Corinthians 6. And such were some of you, fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. He says, such were some of you, but there's hope in the New Testament. Jephthahs can get healed in the New Testament. You were washed. They couldn't be properly washed in the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't died yet. They could look forward to it, but the spiritual power, the spiritual soap that washes sin away wasn't there yet. And so Jephthah was doomed to be a, a, a slave of his past. But the Corinthians were washed. You were sanctified. That means their minds were changed. Their hearts were healed. Their their emotions were made whole. They started to see things from God's perspective, and they didn't have to live as citizens of Tob, even though they were now people of God. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so every example, Peter was just like Jephthah. He used to make 
uh, pronouncements. I will do this. And then he, he was a great big loud leader and so people followed him. But he kept making wrong announcements. In Matthew 26, he says to Jesus, even if everyone else, all these other disciples fall away, I will never fall away. I'll die for you. Jesus says, when the, cro the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And Peter was healed. The, the chapter John 21 is Jesus healing Peter of his hard-heartedness, of his messed up, bitter heart inside. And Jesus is gently unpeeling the hurt. You know, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus answers, asks him three times in John 21, do you really love me more than all of these? Feed my sheep. Do you truly love me? Feed my lambs. Do you really love me? Feed my sheep. Jesus was repeating and healing the hurt. In the New Testament, we can be healed. It takes time. That's why in, in 1 Timothy 3, when Paul is telling Timothy how to choose leaders, in verse 6 he says, they must not be a recent convert. Friends, it takes time for the inside to catch up to what the Holy Spirit has anointed you with. You might have spiritual gifts and think, I'm ready to do ministry for the Lord. There is a time process for your inside to be healed and put back together and for your mind to start to think like God thinks. Otherwise, if you go out too quickly into ministry, you will make stupid vows and you will hurt your people underneath you. Don't make a recent convert a leader, he says. In verse 10, he says they must be tested for a long time and only if they're found blameless can you put them into leadership. And today we have young people like Jephthah who look the part. They've got all the gifts and the whiz-bang. They've got an anointing from God and they think, I don't need any testing. I don't need anyone to train me. I'm ready. And they go out and they hurt people. And it's time for us to get back to biblical Christianity where fathers mentor sons over a long period of time. Mothers mentor daughters. And the, the leaders are grown up in an accountable training situation and they get strong and they get healed. And then when they pronounce vows, they are the vows that God wants them to pronounce and the people prosper. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.